Are we recording? Is this thing on? Yes, it is. Welcome to RevOps 500, where we invite the world's top marketers to answer the tough questions facing growing organizations. Ooh, sounds important. I'm Sajil Qureshi. And I'm Gil Bates. Join us as we dive deep into the world of RevOps. We'll be learning strategies and expertise from first-hand experience. RevOps 500 is sponsored by Computech. They provide technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketing. Let's get started. Hey everybody, Sajil Qureshi here with another episode of RevOps 500, where we interview some of North America's greatest B2B marketers. Today, I am absolutely stoked to be talking to uh, one of the best in the business. You know, he serves his clients as both a strategic and an operational level. He spent time in market research at Walt Disney World, which is you know, pretty cool, obviously. He's a superb solutions guy and has... I mean, in my opinion, a unique capacity for putting together the right tools and the team to meet efficient standards. Right now, you can find him as the Director of Marketing Integration at the Imagine Group. Glenn Swires, welcome to RevOps 500. Wow. I, I want to meet this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Glad you're here, Glenn. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. And uh, why don't we get right into it? So, Glenn, in your opinion, what is one RevOps myth that you can share with our, with our audience? Uh, direct mail's dead. Oh, wow. So let's, let's, let's try and uh, unpack that. Why, why would you say direct mail is dead and how does direct mail work in a RevOps function in your, in your opinion? All right. So this is my passion in life is, um, in my perfect world, um, I'm tired of people talking about digital marketing campaigns or you know, direct mail marketing campaigns or email marketing campaigns. What I'm finding most importantly is that if you're not coming to the approach of saying, I need a marketing campaign that just so happens to use email, direct mail, digital, whatever, um, you're setting yourself up for potential long-term failure. Wow. Okay. So the, the fact that you could you have a like physical physical mar well, offline marketing is what you kind of well and what I'm saying about that is in my perfect world there's nothing so unequal as treating unequals equally, right? That's an old old quote from uh, the one minute manager, you know. Um, but I'll say it again just to so to, to kind of there's nothing so unequal as treating unequals equally, right? So why do we think that we need just one marketing channel or one particular type of device to reach everybody? We know that one of the most important elements in the modern marketing mix is this concept that I like, that I'm sure you've heard is right. That, that communication preference, right? How do I prefer you to communicate with me? And a right. large portion of our population has basically said we prefer some kind of tactile marketing. You know, whether that's a direct mail piece or a physical brochure, et cetera, et cetera. There's always, so, so we know that that's part of the, that should always be part of the marketing mix. So what I think the myth is starting with the channel first and then try to figure out what kind of message I have. And what my theory is, is let's, let's identify the audience. Let's learn how they want to be communicated to and use the appropriate channel for that particular message and audience. Makes, makes very good sense, Glenn. For example, abstractly, I've heard in the past that there's certain groups of people that maybe they use Bing search, for example. So mm -hmm. and it sounds like what you're saying is if those people use Bing search, it doesn't matter if Bing is the number five 
ranked search right. engine in the world, that's where the target audience is congregating and meeting. So you have to meet them where they are. And if that's sometimes with direct mail or with Bing search or with you know, V8 ads, ads on ads and blockbuster video stands or something like that, then, you know. Right. That's where yeah. So are. if you're trying to, if you're trying to reach people, you know, just from a more abstract, sarcastic answer to that, right. Mm -hmm. I want to reach fishermen, right. Or people that like to fish. Why would I advertise in tennis magazine? Very true. Right. True. So does it matter that tennis magazine might have a higher audience or, you know, a higher response rate? Well, that applies to that audience and that and those messages. Um, another huge myth, which I think is hysterical, is this whole concept that direct mail matters based on your age. And where, where I'm heading with that is, you know, people are going, well, they're younger. So therefore, we have to use digital when now that. Uh, the post office does this uh, uh, diary study every year, and they find that that 18 to 34 age category actually reads their mail longer than some of the older age categories. Wow. Wow. So let, let's let's talk about this from like a RevOps perspective then. You know, RevOps is all about the, the alignment of customers and service and marketing and sales, aligning all the business together for revenue functions. How do you make something like a, like an atypical thing, kind of like direct mail or personal selling in a, in a RevOps strategy? How does that, what does that look like? That is a great question that we should probably really deep a little dive, dive into, right? So when you get into revenue and in your world, is that more the prospecting, trying to build revenue, and then there's operational of serving the customers I already have. And, and the reason why I think it would be important to flush out those concepts is there's a very, there's a difference. And let's, um, let's use the dating analogy, right? Your approach on, I'm just getting introduced to this person and the conversations that you have and the channels that you use are totally different than you are on date 25 or like myself who's been married 36 years, right? Yeah. You know, so uh, again, that nothing so unequal is treating unequals equally. There's also those circumstances and conversations. So here's where I'm heading with that. All right. I have, um, um, Seth Godin's a great guy, um, loves a lot of his work. And one of the concepts they talk about is that permission-based marketing. And earning the right to get to that next level, right? Mm -hmm. So what we have found through study, through a number of studies is when you're going to interrupt my day, if you're going to do some kind of interruption-based marketing, I'm, this is my first time being introduced to your product, your service, and you're trying to, you're trying to gain revenue and you're also trying to get a customer for life. And I want to hold on to my money and you want my money, right? So one of the interesting things that we've found is, is that early introduction, I'm more likely and I, I'll feel less intruded upon with a direct mail piece than I would necessarily an email push. Hmm. Fast forward, you know, I'm deep into the relationship, you know, now it's a operational customer service message and my website's going down or I have to do some scheduled maintenance, et cetera. I am totally cool and fine. And I'm giving you the permission 
reach out to me digitally. Have that be a text message. Have that be part of my app. Have that be part of my an email blast. I'm okay with that. Sure. But my first introduction, I, I'm not sure an email is going to cut it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. So, I mean, when you talk about like Seth Gooden and the permission-based marketing and how that all works, how do you measure those things you know, in a, mm. in a, in a Revox context? Obviously, just the opt-in flag in a database, sure. But what does that look like in terms of like actual like buying from a person-to-person perspective? Yeah, you know, you have, my, you have the right to talk to me and, you know, versus you know, just interrupting me with mail in my mailbox or something. Yeah, and that's one of the interesting things, especially with direct mail over the years. Um, it's been this black hole, right? You got this blue box, you know, in front of the post office or, you know, at the local corner store, or I have my mailbox out front. I put a stamp on it. I drop it into the mail stream. And unless they call me, I have no idea where it went, how long it's got there. When does it show up, et cetera. So one of the interesting things that we have today, which we didn't have even just a couple of years ago, is this concept called informed visibility. Okay. All right, so here's where I'm heading. If you notice a few years back, it used to be this weird barcode on the bottom of every direct mail piece. It was all nice and even across the bottom. And I could get about 11 bits of information in there, which is basically just the zip plus four and a a delivery point. And that was it. Now with the new type of barcode, we call it an intelligent mail barcode. It has four states and you can kind of see the bars jump around a lot. By having those bars being able to jump around a lot, now I can get 64 bits of data in there. So so you're saying, Glenn, why does that matter? Well, I can now encrypt in their level of service, a unique serial number to that piece. um, And most importantly, all of the direct, you know, the delivery information, but that unique serial number allows me to get some advanced analytics. So now I can watch my direct mail go through the mail stream and get some reporting back to my CRM on when the direct mail piece actually showed up in the mailbox. So where I'm heading on that. All right. One of the cool things or one of the advantages that email has had over the years is we have that concept of open rate. Well, that's hard to do with direct mail, but I also have the delivery rate. Now in, in direct mail today, I can get the delivery rate. I know what pieces got delivered. And more importantly, I know what pieces got delivered when. So now if I want to do some A-B testing and I say, you know what, this message I think is going to move the, you know, move the window and I'm going to get extra people to respond or respond quicker to this particular message. And then I got message B where it's like, all right, let's see, let's see which one has a, a faster response rate. Well, just to kind of go too deep into it, sorry. You know, when you use commercial direct mail, the window that the post office gives you is anywhere from three to 10 days and none of it is guaranteed. So if I'm trying to say, all right, which message makes them respond quicker or can I get five days out of the the response cycle and move them faster? Well, if my window is over seven days wide, I I don't know. Is it the message or did I get lucky and those mail pieces got delivered? So what if I told you that now in the world of direct mail, you can drop 100,000 direct mail pieces into a mail stream and I can give you a data feed 
that you can reverse append to your CRM that has the dates of when they got their mail piece. And then you can calculate when they responded. And now I zeroed out delivery. Would that be cool? Absolutely. Of course, it would be cool. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, one of the interesting things was, you know, when we're calculating our ROI and we're saying, all right, this whole group of people never responded. Well, why didn't, you know, why didn't they respond? Well, what if I can now tell you, well, the reasons why they didn't respond is they never got the mail piece. You had the wrong address. You had, you didn't have the apartment number. You didn't have the suite ID uh, for some of these businesses. If I can then give you a data feed that deletes those, you know, out of your CRM or more importantly, deletes them out of your analytics. So when you're calculating your ROI, you're removing the people that never heard the message. Doesn't that make this whole concept a lot more powerful? Absolutely. I mean, it certainly would. I mean, you have all sorts of information there. You're able to track it. You have a combination of the online reporting and, and tracking capabilities with the more personal, direct, you know, mailing approach, going to someone's house or at the doorstep with a, with a piece of information. So Glenn, you know, what, on, the same, on the same lines, what keeps you up at night technically these days? I mean, what, what is it that you're working on? Yeah, you know, um, obviously the some of the biggest challenges that we're having in the marketing industry as a whole, and of course on the tactile side, is the whole concept of, of costs, right? Uh, postage goes up every six months now. Um, you know, if you listen to the CEO of the post office, Louis DeJoy, you know, he's saying, listen, we're paying for sins of 10 years of a bad pricing model where we were undercharging you and now we're, you know, billions of dollars in debt. So I have those challenges of those, those makeups. I also have the challenges of, you know, the, the production costs, paper going through the roof, you know, um, all of these things that have happened post COVID, um, and then layer on top of that, some of these myths where, you know, every time you get a statement in the, uh, you know, from your bank or your utility, et cetera, there's a line in there saying, go green, you know, go online. Um, yet, even though there's, there's a lot of evidence out there that shows that technically getting that statement in the mail is actually in the long term greener than having you know, a digital copy, you know, because when you think about it, in order to keep that electronic um, document live, those routers, switches, hubs, servers, you know, they have to be online burning electricity 24 7, 65 for eternity. Sure. You know, so I think, you know, that that mix of, you know, seeing a very important tool that we have. Uh, that moves the needle on a certain set of groups uh, better than any other is being attacked from both a pricing side and a social constraint side. Um, definitely, definitely brings its challenges. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of RevOps 500. This podcast is a great opportunity and channel for revenue operations and much more. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to ship production to a friendly team, check out ringmaster.com. They're the team behind this podcast. RevOps 500 is sponsored by Computan. Computan serves as the back-end dev and technology team for shorthanded marketing agencies and departments. Shorthanded? Wait a minute. That sounds like me. Now, let's get back to it. The end.
Yeah, I mean, and, and, and it sounds like it. I mean, because you know, you're dealing with the both sides. It's just the social pressure. Then there's also the technical pressure of it too. I mean, what about the? So, what, I mean, with, with all that stuff going on, all that pressure, what do you think about the future of all this? I mean, like, where, where is this? Where are we heading? Yeah, I mean, the key is, and what I'm finding is that the people that are staying in the mailbox and using that is, and and in my perfect world again, I I see all of this as a toolbox, right? Um, I wouldn't go to work, you know, on my house, et cetera, with just a screwdriver and a hammer. I would have a, a diverse set of tools in my box. And the more tools that I have, the more specialized projects I can do, right? And the better quality of the product I can have. Um, so, so with that, um, I, I think that the key is going to be making sure that we continue to pr provide excellent tools to the industry. So you come to me with a marketing challenge. I'm not going to just say, Hey, let me, give me your mailing list and we'll go. We're going to, we're going to come back and say, all right, first off is your method, is your message worth saying? Yeah. Right. You know, cause it, you know, there is, there is something to be said of making sure that you're honing your skills is the art, is the art good? Is the, is the messaging right? Is the call to action actionable then we're going to also look at it and say all right what are we doing to honor the communication preferences if you have a segment of your group big data it's it's not a problem to say all right these people get email these people go ahead and get you know a direct mail piece not a problem to do that and then more importantly the personalization i can now create a direct mail piece where every single direct mail piece is unique to that person making wow. sure that it's valid because here's here's a line that i like to say just to ramble just one more second and i'll get then i'll uh, i'll take a breath in my perfect world there's no such thing as junk mail there's just irrelevant mail irrelevant mail okay what do you mean by irrelevant mail why why is that different than junk mail well because in my world right if you go ahead and send me um send me a coupon for a baby carriage my okay. kids are grown I don't need any of that stuff. Sure. So technically it's junk, but the reason why it's junk is because it's irrelevant to my life, right? Now, send me a coupon for pizza while I'm hungry, right? So makes sense. Every time you go to the store, you're using your loyalty cards, your credit cards, your debit cards. I mean, you are coughing up an unbelievable amount of a digital footprint. Um, Let's use that not to manipulate you, but to serve you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's, it certainly does. I mean, and like, like you said, like the, the baby carriage messaging is not junk mail for someone who may be having small children soon, right? Right. Uh, and, and then, and that's not really relevant. It's not junk to them, but it's irrelevant to you based on where, you know, where you're at and everything like that. And but pizza while you're hungry is, is not. So I, I understand exactly what you're saying. So that's the difference between junk mail and irrelevant mail. And that could even be translated to digital too. I mean, someone who is not looking for some SaaS product or whatever, it's irrelevant to them. But someone who is, it's perfect. And then as marketers, you know, our, and RevOps, our challenge is to, you know, al align in, in line, you know, the relevant with the with the messaging, right? That's part of what we have to do. Yeah, let me jump on that real quick though, right? Because sure. one of the reasons why we've gotten away with the irrelevant email so long is because of the relative low cost. Yes. Right? I can 
I can send those emails out. And, and that's one of the, one of the blessings and the curse of direct mail is, is you got the cost of postage and the cost of production is so high. It forces me to be a little bit more disciplined, which isn't always a bad thing because here's, here's what I'd like to, to call to everybody's attention. The sending out junk email, you know, you might be saying, well, it's only a couple extra bucks to send a million more. That isn't the true cost. The true cost of sending that bad email isn't the production cost. It's the, um, it's the delusion or um, it's the degradation to your brand and the channel. We are now at a point where there's been so much junk put into that particular channel that when we wake up in the morning, or maybe I'm the only one, when I go to my inbox, I usually look for emails to delete before I ever look for emails to read, right? 100%. Everybody and, knows you. And you just get overloaded. So now we have the term digital fatigue. So we've pretty much destroyed that channel because of the junk, thinking that it was cheap to do, but it actually got really expensive quick because we've now almost lost that channel. So are you, so Glenn, are you, are you calling for a direct mail renaissance to start happening in the not too distant future? Or what, what exactly are you saying? You know, it's already happening in some, and in some cases. So here's, here's what, what is happening. You know what? The average person is not paying their mortgage, their credit card bills or utility bills through the mail. That is going to continue to go down. I believe, and this is just me personally, uh, is that we as human beings, we like to, to respond quicker. So I think responding through digital channels will always con will continue to grow and be our preference. I want to be able to hit that QR code. If I want to buy something online, I want to know that it's in stock and it's going to be delivered tomorrow, right? But if you're introducing me to a new product or service, um, or you're trying to build a deeper brand uh, connection, um, the people that are doing it, the people that are doing direct mail right um, are staying in the mailbox and some of them are actually growing in the mailbox. So but that's the same thing about doing it right. That is so interesting. I mean, like that they're actually doubling down on being in the mailbox, not the inbox. Like, I so, mean, true, uh, true story. Uh, we had a, a regional um, COVID hits, right? Yep. And we had a regional retailer um, that was having trouble breaking through. And it's like, all right, what are we going to do here? I got a lot of brick and mortar. I got inventory in the brick and mortar. How do I get people into these, um, you know, into store? So the first thing they did to preserve cash during, um, during COVID is they, they stopped all marketing just for a few weeks, right? It was like, oh my gosh, panic at time, desperate times, deserve desperate measures. They stopped. Well, what happened is, is the, the speed at which people not going to store, you know, increased quicker. As a test, they started sending out some postcards and what we call folded self-mailers. These are those mailers that aren't in an envelope. So you, I don't have to worry about people going through the effort of even opening up an envelope to see the messaging, right? Yeah. What they quickly found is direct mail was driving their customers back to store. Wow. And it wasn't, but it's a different type of messaging now. Like in the old days, maybe it was a, 64 page catalog and it was this big book or whatever. Now, 
all they needed was that tactile marketing, something that they could feel, they could touch, they could remember, they could throw it in their purse or leave it on the countertop, et cetera. Um, and it was that gentle reminder of, hey, let's go to store. That's great. I mean, like that's, that's surprising to hear. I mean, but I mean, I guess, you know, it's a uh, common in, the, in that industry too. I mean, like, you know, the... Well, the, uh... here's, let me share something that we didn't know a few years ago. Okay. Uh, Brown University did a CAT scan of somebody's, somebody's head, somebody's brain, right? Yeah. Reading an email and reading a physical piece of direct mail. Okay. And what they found was not only was there a substantial difference in percentages of your brain that was being used, a, whenever you're reading something tactilely, the brain actually was more engaged. What was enlightening was the areas of the brain. There's one specific part of your brain that gets activated when you're reading direct mail that's not activated when you're reading something digitally. And that area of the brain is the same section that elicits emotion. Huh. So very important to know, right? You get your phone, you get your digital device, the glass, it always feels the same. Doesn't matter if I'm yep. reading a book, read my email, et cetera, right? Yep. Direct mail, it kind of touches you back, yes. right? So, and you can change the smell, you can change the tactile feel, et cetera. So there's different senses that are engaged. And by engaging all of those and now engaging that area of your brain that's elicited emotion, you're saying, Glenn, why would that matter? Well, let's put our marketing hats back on. What's <laughs> the difference between me having my money and taking that step across the buying threshold giving up my money and getting that product. Is it information? No. I mean, if information is all the what it took for you to get me to buy your product, Google would have fixed that. All the information I possibly would need exists either in Bing or Google, et cetera, right? Or now mm -hmm. chat GPT, right? Um, sure. All of that information is there. So what is it? What makes me want to buy this car over that car? Well, typically it's emotion. As marketers, we know that if we can get an emotional connection between my brand and your brand and get, it'll help me push you across that buying threshold to make that difference. Now, doesn't it make sense to use a marketing channel that's already activating the part of the brain that solicits emotion? Mm, very so much so. Yeah, so that's the reason why, you know, when you look at things like, political ads, car, car buying is huge, right? Real yep. estate, et cetera. All of these larger dollar value items that have an emotional connection, you know, they're in the mailbox because it works. And I think that's the key. As long as we can not only make sure it works, but prove that it works with some of these digital connections, the informed visibility, et cetera, et cetera. Now, uh, I don't have to say, come on, let's face it. You always had a hunch that this stuff was working, right? But, Absolutely. You, but we didn't have that scientific evidence. Now that we have CAT scans showing that, oh, there's different parts of the brain. Of course, it makes sense why there's the emotional connection. Oh, I can now zero out the delivery time. Oh, I can now have these QR codes and these items and, the, and I can measure the responses so much easier now. Now I can support the fact that it all works together. Anyway, I'm 
I'm rambling. Sorry. No, no, you're good. So, I mean, like when it comes to the, I mean, let's talk about how you got started with, 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 you know, with Imagine and in marketing and especially in this direct mail world. I mean, I mean, were you, were you always involved in this or how, how did it, uh, what's, yeah, what, so, what's your, what's your journey been like, I guess? Oh, uh, my journey has been crazy. Um, so I grew up in the, I grew up in the, in the mailing printing industry. Um, my dad had a print shop in our basement at age five. I was there wow. helping him out. Um, and it was a beautiful thing, right? So it was, it was pre OSHA, no judgment zone, um, you know, and I could just hit the off button if something was going wrong. Well, watching things develop over time, you know, I worked with my dad, we worked a lot of technology. I was, I was, um, I suffered through the dot-com boom, uh, where it was like the first time we were all told that printing is dead and no one will ever use printing again, because let's face it. When the fax machine came out, that was supposed to be the deathbed of all things, you know, direct mail and did, you know, and that was going to replace it. And then email was going to replace faxes and then text was going to replace email and digital. But here we are, you know, 35, 40 years later from all of those inventions. And it's, it's not that it's replaced, but it's been added on. So, um, I did try to get out of this industry. Um, really? Yeah, I. Um, hey, really? uh, well, and, and that's where I some of the stuff I'm really passionate about, but I've had firsthand experience of both ways. Um, during the dot com boom, uh, our family business didn't make it. Um, Forty seven thousand small printing companies that were family owned went out of business between 1998 uh, to 2001, according to the uh, the printing industries of, of America way back when. Now, the same number of people work in that industry, it's just that we saw a transitional moment where it went from these mom and pop five and 10 people companies become these two, these monsters. So fast forward to where I'm at today, um, you know, when the company went, that's when I spent my time at Disney doing market research, did some consulting with some Chinese firms, uh, getting their products into um, you know, into pet boys, et cetera, uh, spent three and a half years as a college professor, kind of giving back, which then got recruited back to where I'm at today. Um, and, and I absolutely love it because some people say, well, why are you in this, the physical side of graphic arts? And, and here's, here's my quick response. This is one of the few industries where you can use it all the creative side you know, you can come to me with an idea and I can take a pencil and a napkin and sketch something out and then physically make something that's a deliverable and then also incorporate all of the digital stuff. But anyway, that's again, a little rambling, but, uh, um, I think, but my, let me just put a, a bow on this. The, the, the journey that I had in, in, in having, um, isn't so much different than our industry, right? Where we started off where, you know, you just went to your corner store copy shop and you just got your, your raffle tickets, et cetera. And now fast forward all these years, you know, having an advanced uh, background in technology, working in IT, working in international um, business, because, you know, there is no borders to the internet. Um, 
you know, having all of those cultural, um, um, basic learning lessons, um, as well as, you know, the unbelievable insights and care and understanding of how to serve a customer at my time at Disney, I think is really the, the foundation of what makes what I'm doing it currently for Imagine for our customers, um, you know, so successful. That makes sense. I mean, it's like, it's like the, the diverse background, the multiple skills, just experiencing the evolution of the industry over time and being kind of in the forefront of it. That's kind of made you, you know, very iron tested in the, in these, uh, in these ways. So now let's say let now let's go back to say when, you know, when you were just starting out in the industry, what, what advice would you give yourself? What would you tell yourself about what the future of marketing might look like and how you, how you might act differently? Well, what would, what advice would you give? Yeah. I mean, the advice I would give uh, myself would be listen to my dad, uh, you know, because he was way ahead of his time in, in teaching these things. He would, he would be, I think the most important thing was, and lesson learns and to continue to learn is guiding principles. Um, don't be tied to any particular strategy or approach, right? It's, it's the guiding principle behind it. So here's, here's one good uh, local case study. Uh, there is this, um, and I'm going to get some of the name wrong, but it, it, the principle is the same. There was this company in, in North Carolina, and I think they were the Sherwood Twine Company. Okay. And all they made, because this is cotton land, et cetera, they made twine to tie packages together. Um, because back in the day when they were invented, um, you took brown wrap paper around your, your package that you wanted to ship. And then you closed it by, you know, like on the Waltons, you, you tied it with twine, yep. right? Because there was no such thing as tape. No. Fast forward. Sherwood never saw themselves as a twine company. They saw themselves as a company that held packages together. Huh. So when polyurethane tape was invented, they didn't approach it as, hey, this is going to put us out of business someday. They said, oh, here's another way to serve our customers because what we do is we hold packages together. So they embraced, embraced it, and now they're known as SureTape. Oh, isn't that neat? Yeah, yeah, small yeah so, so, and if you're an NASCAR fan, one of the things I, I love a, a while back, they actually had what almost looks like duct tape, this four foot by four foot piece of tape that they can tape. wrap around the front of a car that's into an accident and keep it on their thing. And of course we use it regularly to hold together our boxes, et cetera. So I say that in the fact of, you know what, if I was, if I saw myself as a press operator, and all I ever did was put ink on paper, then when the small format printing presses went away, I'd be useless. Or when the regular photography mm. went away, because I, I prided myself and I have the, had the ability to do traditional film and I worked in a dark room and all those wonderful skills, you know, at, at first glance seem useless, but fast forward all these years later, I know how to color correct. I know what it looks. I know what a good piece of art looks like. That's the value. So learn how to learn and don't tie yourself, um, you know, to a particular task, but tie yourself to those guiding principles and you'll be more successful because let's face it, the speed of change is ridiculous. 
you know, that's, that's, that's when I, when I think of it, uh, a line my dad had, which is, is kind of interesting. At least I find it interesting is look at the past as a foundation to build on, not a mold to hold you to traditions. Oh yeah. True, 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 true. Foundation to build on. Cause you know, there's always been something experienced, some, there's always some, some sort of precedence on, on most of these things, right? They're, yeah. they're usually used. Usually and it's used. so easy. Look at Kodak, right? They used yeah. some of those things as a mold to hide them to traditions rather than the foundation of we know how to capture a moment, moment. than anybody yeah. else. It's not the polyurethane film. It's capturing the moment. Capturing the moment. Yeah. And anyway. it's, 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 the, it's the why, right? This what people are trying to find these days is the why they do it. Like the iPhone is a thousand songs in the pocket. It's not like a, a better version of an MP3 player. It's a thousand songs in the pocket, right? Something like that. So Glenn, you know, where, where can people get a, where can people uh, learn more about you and get a hold of you and learn more about Imagine? Yeah. Um, the Imagine group.com, um, you know, we're probably one of the biggest companies you've never heard of. You know, if you walk into a, a store, uh, a retail location, there's a very good chance that we're probably doing all of the signage, et cetera, for that. Um, some of that mail that shows up in your inbox might be us. Um, but yeah, feel free to check us out there. Um, been playing around. It's still an evolution. I've been working on this thing uh, called the mailing moment. Um, um, and it's uh, M-A-I-L, not M-A-L-E, right? Uh, uh, the mail moment. Um, and it just trying to capture some of these uh, concepts of, uh, of where we're at. And of course, on LinkedIn, uh, feel free. Um, if, if you're involved at all in our space, there's a great, there's a, a lot of great, uh, organizations explore or um, MTAC, PCCs, et cetera. There's all kinds of cool stuff that we're, that we work in. So um, feel free to reach out and um, uh, just don't spam me. That's all I ask. Just make with, sure it's with, relevant. Yeah. Now, now, we, but there is no spam me, right? Just irrelevant messages, right? That's right. Just don't do it. Don't right. give me irrelevant messages. Don't give Glenn irrelevant messages, folks. He, you know, he doesn't like, he doesn't believe in junk mail, but he knows that there's, Irrelevant messages, he will not respond to them. Well, you know, listen, Glenn, this has been, uh, you know, amazing. I mean, just to hear you um, tie in something which is quote unquote, you know, traditional or dead like direct mail into a modern day RevOps or marketing strategy with like a CRM and some sorts of other technical things, especially the kind of latest and greatest things that, have, that direct mail is doing has been a very, very rewarding experience. I mean, it's just been amazing having you on. So I really appreciate you making the time and, uh, chatting with us today now my pleasure everybody listening at home if you uh if you enjoyed the show or laugh with us a little bit you know please do uh give us a listen or share with somebody else uh glenn swires again thanks for coming on uh, my pleasure yep thanks a lot for listening to another episode of RevOps 500 everybody and we'll see you guys next time take care everybody and that wraps up another episode of RevOps 500 thanks for joining for show notes and other episodes visit us at revops500.com RevOps 500 is sponsored by Compute, providing technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketing teams.